0: First Baptist Belton is relocating. To learn more, to give, and to stay up to date on the progress, visit www.faithfulfuture.net. I want to remind you that next Sunday morning, we will not be here. We will be on the hilltop, our new location at the corner of Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard and Loop 121. One mile exactly from here. And we'll gather at 1030 for our first worship on the hilltop. We have a big tent, a thousand chairs. We'll have food for lunch. You're welcome to bring a picnic basket if you don't like sausage wraps because that's what we're serving. Um, don't dress up. Dress casually. Uh, wear tennis shoes. Don't wear high heels, ladies. It, you don't want to do that. Now, once we build the building, you can do that if you want to. But not. don't wear high heels. Dress comfortably. And uh, the weather looks good at this point, And we're asking God to give us a beautiful day. So that'll be 1030 next Sunday. We have valet parking there. We have um, handicap parking up close. Plenty of parking. So be there. It's going to be a glorious day. Our first worship on the hilltop. I'd like to read a verse and then pray. And they sang a hymn, a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Revelation 5.9. Let's pray together. Father, we anticipate with gladness in our hearts that day when we will be before the throne and we will see you face to face for the first time. What an incredible moment it will be. I know that we will immediately fall to our knees in worship. And then we will have eternity in which to lift our voices in praise to you with brothers and sisters in Christ from every nation, every tribe, every kingdom, joining our voices together to praise you. And Father, it will be a heavenly language that we may not know at this moment But it will be an incredible, incredible time of worshiping you. Now, until that day, we have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to share the good news of Jesus here and around the world. And I pray that we will be found faithful in that responsibility. We call out to you this morning and ask for your blessing upon this service Thank you that you give us the privilege of lifting our voices in praise to you. Thank you for the beautiful anthem that the choir just sang. Thank you for the beautiful songs that we have sung together. And I pray now that you would speak to our hearts from your word. Challenge us, encourage us, convict us, comfort us in accordance with the needs of our hearts today. We love you. We adore you. And we continue to worship you now, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please open your Bibles to the very first chapter of Scripture, Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read in a moment, beginning verse 26, then I'm going to go to James 2. I invite you to turn to James 2, and then I'll read from Revelation chapter 7, and it'll all be on the screen, but if you're like me, I like to be there in my own Bible, so... I'll remind you of where we're going in just a minute. We are continuing today in a series, What in the World is Happening Here? Now, the here is not this building. The here is not our church. The here is our culture. What in the world is happening here? We laid the foundation for the entire series several weeks ago when we made the observation that Jesus and the gospel are offensive. And there are three reasons why Jesus and the gospel are offensive in our culture, in our world. And the first is found in the very first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created. That places God and his will at the center of the universe. And there are many, many people who do not want God at the center of their lives or at the center of the universe. And they will say, if there is a God He is largely irrelevant to our lives. And so Jesus and the gospel are offensive. The second reason that Jesus and the gospel are offensive is that man is a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. Now, most people from any background will be willing to say, I've done things that I shouldn't have done. If you want to call that sin, call it sin. I'll admit that. But to admit that at their very core... They are sinners without hope apart from Jesus Christ. That would be offensive to many in our culture. And the third reason that Jesus and the gospel are, are offensive is that Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that statement is extraordinarily offensive to many in our culture and to many Around the world, but we understand it is true and and we know that if it is true and it is, then we definitely have the responsibility of sharing that with those around us, even to the ends of the earth. Now, as we progress through this series, we've dealt with a lot of issues. We dealt with the disappearance of the innocents. Dealing with the issue of abortion. And we talked about the importance of our being at the heart of developing a culture of life. Then we dealt with the subject, the right religion in our culture to the least of these. And James himself gives us examples of the least of these in orphans and widows. And we talked about the importance of having what the Bible calls right religion or true religion in ministering to the least of these. Then thirdly, we talked about modern-day slavery, trafficking, an unbelievable issue and concern and problem right here in our own state and in our own community. Then we talked about purity versus sexual immorality. Sexual immorality in all of its forms, purity versus sexual immorality. Then we talked about celebrating biblical marriage. One man, one woman, united together for life, becoming one flesh. And so we talked about the importance of biblical marriage. And then we talked about a modern day. It's not modern day in the sense that it's never happened before, but it is a major issue now in our culture. And that is the tragedy of transgenderism. Those of you who've been with me for many, many years know that until this series started, I've never taken a full manuscript to the pulpit. But I've been doing that in this series because I have to stay focused and not chase rabbits, which I'm sure you're very kind when you smile at that. But you know, I have been, I am prone to do that. So no rabbits following manuscript. Today, we're going to deal with the subject of racism and its destructive reality. So I want us to read from Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 26, and then I'll go to James chapter 2, and then to Revelation chapter 7. Now, first Genesis. I'll have you stand on James, okay? All right. Genesis chapter 1. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, if you'll scroll down to verse 31 with your eyes or on the screen to verse 31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Prior to this, on the previous days of creation, it says it was good. But when we come to verse 31, God saw everything and said, it's very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, stand with me as we look at James. It's our tradition to stand. I've given us some breaks on that during this series, but let's stand for James 2. Verse 1, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, we must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here, have a good seat, but say to the poor man, you sit there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom He promised those who love Him? But you have dishonored the poor. It is not the rich who are exploiting you. Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of Him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, Revelation, the seventh chapter, verses 9 and 10. I want you to leap forward in your mind. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, People and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You may be seated. Racism is not new. It has been a reality throughout history and it manifests itself in wars, enslavement, slaughter, genocide, concentration camps, hatred, lynchings, gas chambers, prejudice, and discrimination. Most, if not all, in this room would say, I'm not a racist. And I hope that's true. U.S. history is replete with the heartbreak of slavery and following the Emancipation Proclamation and the Civil War, a long pattern of discrimination and exclusion. I do not have time in one sermon to revisit history. I'm speaking to a way above average group as far as historical knowledge and intelligence is concerned. You know... History. So listen carefully as I share some definitions with you, but this is important. First of all, the definition of race. This is not scientific. So if you're looking for the scientific definition, go to the dictionary. This is not scientific. It's it's really at the street level where we live. So the definition of race is this, a group of people Distinguished primarily by skin color and facial features and hair type. Okay. Definition of race. Definition of racism. A feeling, sometimes hidden, sometimes overt, that devalues one race beneath others. It shows itself in prejudice, discrimination, antagonism, or even violence. Now, racist one whose heart is scarred by racism that may or may not be put into action or words, but who does not seek to eliminate his attitude or action. In other words, it's one who has these feelings in his or her heart that may be overt or may be hidden, but there is no effort to eliminate that thinking from one's heart or one's mind Therefore, a refusal to acknowledge that it's wrong. In a recent Gallup poll, 42% of Americans worry a, say that they worry a great deal about race relations in the United States. And that is a number that has been increasing for six consecutive years. So when you heard the title this morning, most people in the room probably thought white and black. But it can be more expansive than white and black, and you certainly are aware of that. But here are some facts for us to contemplate. People with black-sounding names have to send out 50% more job applications than people with white-sounding names in order to get just one callback. A black man is three times more likely to be searched at a traffic stop and six times more likely to go to jail than a white man. Now, is that always racism? No, it's not always racism, but it is a disturbing disparity in number. If a black person kills a white person, he or she is twice as likely to receive the death sentence as it is when a white person kills a black person. Blacks serve up to 20% more time in prison than white people for the same crimes. And blacks are 38% more likely to be sentenced to death than white people for the same crimes. Those are sobering statistics to contemplate. Now, as we look around the room today, uh, we're very white when I preach to the second service, it will be a little different. There is much more um, many different hues of skin color in the second service than there are in this service. Nevertheless, even in that service, we're, we're very white as a church. And, and is that the way it should be? I, I think not, but I take responsibility because I'm the pastor. And I should be leading us to do better. Now, before I give you some points to remember today. Those who have committed their lives to Christ. Those of us who committed our lives to Christ cannot let prejudice find a place in our hearts. Now. This message like this entire series. No ranting. No raving just sharing what the Bible says, sharing facts. Listen. And I've been convinced all of my life since I've known who the Holy Spirit is that when we listen to the word and we listen to words about the word that the Holy Spirit will speak to us and we will know what to do. So here's some things I want you to remember today. First of all, racism denies the reality of creation. Racism denies the reality of creation. Back in Genesis, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, over the livestock and all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. That, ver, those verses, by the way, keep showing up in every sermon in this series. Have you noticed? Because they're the basis and the foundation for, for everything. So those verses keep showing up. We are all one race. The human race. We are all created in the image of God. We are shaded differently white, brown, black but we are all from one seed and so the reality is we are one race and it denies that reality to allow racism to grab a place in our hearts why would I despise or hate or resent one who is my brother or sister in creation now I'm not even talking yet about brothers and sisters in Christ I'm simply talking about People who are like me in creation, just different skin pigmentation or hair or or facial features, why would I despise one made in the image of God? And and there's the key. When we despise someone who doesn't look like us, what are we saying to God about those that He has created in His image? And then for those who are my spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ, can I look down on one because he or she does not look like me or have my facial features or my hair type? So racism denies the reality of creation. There's a second thing that I want us to remember today, and that's this. Racism denies the focus of our faith. And the focus of our faith is Jesus. So racism is a denial of Jesus. The Jesus who came to die for all of us, who arose conquering death for each of us. Inconsistent for us to sing with our children. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. It's inconsistent to sing that, to teach it to kids, and yet deny that reality in our own hearts. Do not despise, resent, hate, or discriminate against anyone created by God. It's inconsistent to look down on anyone based on the externals. Is the basis of who I am defined by the word white? No. I am God's creation. Now, the third thing that I want us to get our arms around is this. Racism denies the clear will of God. James chapter 2, the illustration James gives us showing favoritism to the wealthy easily shifts our focus to think about favoritism or discrimination to anyone based on the externals. Racism denies the clear will of God. It is, it is an affront to God and it defies His will. The will of God is clear. The gospel is for every person. And I am to treat every person as one for whom Christ died because that's true. We believe in the Great Commission. We have two of our men who will be boarding a plane any minute to come home from South Asia, where they have been for over a week, continuing our effort to reach the Sega, who all have brown faces. And they're going to come home and they're going to be able to tell us because I've received messages there are now more Sega in the kingdom of God than there were when they went. And we're thankful for that. And I'm excited to hear what they're going to share with us. I never really understood our willingness to give big bucks to Lottie Moon in order to call a missionary to take the gospel to Africa. But not wanting to sit next to an African-American in church somehow doesn't make sense. Number four, racism denies the truth of our testimony. And the te- our truth of our testimony is 2 Corinthians five seventeen: If any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. We've been changed, transformed from the inside out. I've been changed. Oh, except I can't stand black people or brown people or white people. Prejudice is self-defeating because it will kill your testimony. It will absolutely annihilate your testimony. So racism denies the truth of our testimony. Number five, racism denies the explicit command of Christ. Racism denies the explicit command of Christ who said, love one another, be kind to one another, honor and respect one another. In fact, I thought you might be interested in hearing some of the one another's of the Bible. You know there are over there are fifty nine of them. One another. Now I'm not going to read all fifty nine, but listen to these: Be at peace with one another. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another. Then just 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 as Christ accepted you. Have equal concern for each other. Serve one another in love. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, consider one another better than yourselves. And on and on it goes. Racism denies the explicit command of Christ. Number six, Racism denies the reality of heaven. Racism denies the reality of heaven. Revelation five that I read before I prayed a moment ago. They sang a new song. Gary, you have any idea what it sounds like? No, I don't either. Gary's a songwriter. Let's commission Gary to write a song about this. Uh, I think he just swallowed his pencil, but okay. They sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nations. And then in chapter 7, we read a few moments ago, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And describes them in their white robes and said they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's the reality of heaven. That's the reality of heaven. And so racism in our hearts denies that reality that we say we are eagerly anticipating. It's it going to be like, if in your heart here you'd say, I don't want to be next to a black person and you get to heaven and you turn your head and the person next to you is black. How's that going to be? Or a brown person or a white person or whatever, whatever is in your heart the reality of heaven we're all there every believer so with with all that in our minds what should we do and that's how we've tried to end each message with not just facts but what do we do about that well first of all start with your own heart that's always the beginning place start with your own heart and if there is a problem there In regard to racism, if there's a problem there, then confess and repent and ask God to change your heart, to change your sinful attitude. And you know what? He will. He will. He will. You ask him to. He will. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He will change your attitude. Ask him to do that. Secondly, pray. Pray for yourself. You'll be the man or woman God wants you to be. Pray for our church that we will be the kind of church in this community that God wants us to be. Pray for our nation. Do we have a need? Pray for our nation. There is so much division. And sadly, most of it is uncivil. Pray for our nation. Pray that believers will lead the way in demonstrating love and reconciliation. Who else do we think will lead the way? Those lost in the depths of sin don't have a clue. They may see the problem, but they don't know what to do about it. But we do. Number three, watch your words. Use words that build up and encourage. Do not use words that demean. Even if you say, oh, I'm just kidding. Do not use words that demean. And, and that is good for us to remember whether race is involved or not. Don't use words that demean. Use words that build up and encourage. Where did we come off thinking that the best kind of humor is that which disparages others? Number four, go out of your way in action. Go out of your way in action. To reach a neighbor of a different color, to reach a working associate of a different color, to reach a fellow student of a different color, to befriend them, to get to know life from his or her Perspective, to let them know of your faith in Jesus Christ and the difference he makes in you. Invite them to church if they are unchurched. Serve them and encourage them. Sounds like a lot of one-on-one relationship, doesn't it? That's the key. Number five, do not tolerate looking the other way in your own life. In your own life, do not tolerate prejudice or ignoring those who are mistreated. Do not tolerate looking the other way in the lives of others. Correct them, confront them as a brother and sister in Christ, kindly, humbly. We've talked about that throughout the series, not yelling, not in somebody's face, not yelling at someone as they're trying to have dinner in a restaurant kindly humbly but firmly and number six practice justice and mercy one of the great verses of uh, the Old Testament is in Micah chapter 6 verse 8 he has shown you O man what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God practice justice and mercy create around yourself and join with all of us in creating in our church a culture of life. And again, that's a common thread we've talked about since the very first message, developing a culture of life in our church and in our community. Create a culture that says all lives are of equal worth in the eyes of God and therefore in our eyes also. May God help us to be the men and women that he wants us to be. May God help us to be the church that God wants us to be. And would you bow your head with me for prayer? Now, in a moment, we will stand and Brother Gary will lead us in a hymn of invitation. If you are a believer, a Christ follower, you know Jesus, no doubt about it, you know the Lord. Then I would ask you right now to just pray, God, what do I need to do in regard to people of other races? And you know, I'm convinced that if the Holy Spirit is in you, immediately you will get an answer. And then I encourage you without delay to do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. Do you need to confess and repent of your own thoughts, your own actions? Do it now. For those in this room who don't know Jesus, he died on the cross for you, arose from the grave that your sin might be forgiven, that you might have eternal life. And so, will you come and give your heart and life to Jesus? Come and place your hand in mine and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff will be here to open God's Word, to pray with you, to share with you, and you can leave this place being a new man, a new woman with Jesus in your life. Now, Father, I pray that someone who doesn't know you will come to know you this morning. And I pray that we as a church, beginning with each of us as individuals, beginning with me as the pastor, will examine our hearts, and if there is the tinge of prejudice in our hearts and our lives, that you will banish it from our hearts And that we will be determined with everything within us to reach out to those around us and share the love of Jesus Christ to those who are black, to those who are brown, to those who are of any color. Father, that we will show no favoritism, but that we will love one another. And so, Father, let it begin with me and the people seated in this room. And may our church truly continue to develop a culture of life that will be distinctive in this community. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand. If you would like more information, visit our church website at www.fbcbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street in Belton, Texas. We hope to see you soon.